I got it! When I first heard about Dave being trapped in a maze... One, two, three, four! I built a labyrinth. Can you believe it? Dave is trapped in a cardboard maze in his living room and he can't get out. Welcome to Dave Made a Minute, the podcast where a whole bunch of us are exploring the film Dave Made a Maze one minute at a time. The twist. Many of the participants have never seen the film. Some don't even know what film they're sampling. They get their minutes and they tackle them as they see fit. Here's your host from the Groundhog Day Project and Michael Myers Minute, Robert Black. Minute 3 gets us to the rest of the animated main title sequence to our first real scene. Annie, Mira Rohi Kambani, arriving at home to find a large cardboard fort in her living room, and Dave is inside it. To tackle Minute 3, you've got me one more time. I didn't want to give opening or closing titles to anyone who hadn't seen the film, but if you're sick of me, one, I'll be mostly gone for the next few episodes, and two, I do have a guest, set dresser and prop master, Lauren Shell. You come home, there's a giant maze in your living room, you're like, what the? There's a giant maze in my living room. I've heard of people rearranging the furniture, but this is wackadoodle crazy. You give me a sense of that. This doesn't make any sense. It's like a fucking cocktail party in here. If I get a few words from you before you go. Before we get to Lauren Shell, let's talk minute three. Diversion by The Equals is still playing, Dave is still two-dimensional, and his carpentry mishap has just broken a lamp. Second three, we get some wonderful foreshadowing. This animated sequence is full of references that will come up in the film later, but Dave, framed in front of the wall sconce like horns on a minotaur, is maybe the most specific. Second four, he even turns into what looks more like a demon than a minotaur. And then the phone rings. Second seven, we see it's Annie calling. Second eleven, Dave sees who's calling, looks at the mess he's made around the apartment, and panics. Second fourteen, he sets the phone down without answering it. Second 19, we get to see Dave's to-do list. I'll be back in minute 9 to talk a little about that list. Second 27, Dave is distracted by his ant farm, and he has an idea. Second 24, we get our title, Dave Made a Maze, All in Cardboard. Sounds of Machinery, and second 38, cut to Interior, Apartment, Day. Actually a soundstage here in Glendo, California, as Annie arrives home. The doorknob comes off in Annie's hand. Annie, hey, I'm back. Second 44, she sees the monstrosity that dominates the room, a cardboard fort that is rather impressive. Annie, what the? Dave, and his voice is echoey and far away. Hey baby, welcome home, how was your trip? Annie, uh, it was fine. What is this? Second 57, we get to see it. Cardboard boxes taped together, seeming both well-designed and haphazard at the same time. A nice backlit white enter sign above the blue towel door. Dave, I built a labyrinth. Can you believe it? And I've got an interview with set dresser and prop master Lauren Shell. Must apologize to the listeners and to Lauren for the sound quality, which is a little off because there was an unfortunate echo, and the only way I could lessen it was to mess with our voices a bit. You are credited as a property master and set decorator for the film? Uh, yes, yeah, set dresser. How did you get involved with Dave Made a Maze? Uh, well, basically, I was working on a miniature job with a really great painter over at Bix, or she works at Bix Picks now, but I met her at New Deal Studios. 
And she knew of Jeff White, who was the art director for that film. And she knew that he was looking for a prop master, and she knew that's what I wanted to be doing ultimately. So she put me in contact with them, and I went in for an interview. And basically, it wasn't an interview. It was like, yeah, we need you now. Let's just do this. (laughs) (laughs) Generally speaking, what were you responsible for? Uh, Basically, anything that the actors were holding. Most of the weapons that were made and the interior apartment was, uh, I sh- Jeff and I essentially shopped for everything and I dressed everything to camera whenever it was rolling and I built the about half of the actual cardboard maze that was inside of the house. And because we would shoot things out of order, it grows over the, the course of the film. I, I don't know if you noticed that or not, like the, that yeah, cardboard. It yeah. Yeah, it takes over the apartment. Yeah, it just kind of gets bigger and bigger. And so my job was essentially to figure out where we were in the timeline and then either break it down or build it up depending on when we were because you know we didn't shoot in order so it was like okay so now it's supposed to be about halfway done but you know certain elements are not there yet and yeah so okay so you built things jump to the important one you built like the chrysalis and all that stuff at the end yeah the the chrysalis pod before it unfolds yeah um was i built that one and then the chrysalis the actual like unveiling of the chrysalis as well. Um, there were two separate chrysalis, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so there was like the football pod one that they ran with, and then there was the one that kind of like blossomed at the end. Yeah. But all of the cards and, and stuff like that, the little kings that are rotated, that was all gra- uh, digital effects. Okay. So yeah, it, the the actual thing that I built was just like those leaves that kind of unfolded, and they added in all of those other elements. And what about sets? They all the cardboard walls and. Uh, I didn't actually build the walls. Um, we had a. Whole You're just doing the small stuff. Yeah, we had a whole team that of carpenters and you know artists, cardboard artists that built the sets themselves. I sometimes would do certain elements, you know, things that the actors were interacting with, but um, for the most part, sets were not me. Like the forced perspective scene with the little table and that. Yeah, I built most. I built the the little um, portrait of the lead actress, and I built the tiny chair and those those sorts of things, like the little miniature things. I I built those. And how about the costumes at their breakfast scene? Uh, no, that was actually our awesome costumer. That's the costume person. Yeah, Dan Sell Salon Sellen. I can't. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> he he was amazing. Yeah, he built all of this, the breakaway costumes. In that scene, there's a small building and stuff outside the window. Is that you? Um, no, that is Mike Monane. Uh, he was our, he's like a cardboard artist. Huh. And he's the one that did the minotaur head. He did the scenes that were in the window for the Force Perspective room. The big giant head in the origami room. Like anything that looks like amazingly well done cardboard <laughs> building. <laughs> that was Mike. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I did like the saw blades, most of the saw blades, the giant axe. Um, what else? The, the, the spike bed that swings down. Oh, that kills, I forget his name. I forget his name. Rin's boyfriend. (laughs) Tim. (laughs) It's, uh, the the actor's name I think is Tim something. Um, but, uh, most of those sorts of elements I built, but yeah, the really awesome. So it's what they're actually interacting with. Yeah, the really awesome, like, beautifully sculpted things, those were all Mike. <laughs> well, yours are nice, too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm super proud of the saw blades. Yeah. Those were 
some of my favorite things. And then they were actually made into the DVD. Ah. Um, if you buy the DVD, it's the saw blade was made into the disc. So it, it just made me happy to see my work. How long were you working on this project? Uh, two months. We, we were in prep for about a month, and then we were shooting for a month. And were you there the whole time? Was I there the whole time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty much from the get-go. They, I think they were, when I interviewed with them, I think they had been meeting for maybe a week at that point. But once we actually started filming and or started building and, and things like that, because I have a background in carpentry and stuff, so I helped build the walls for the apartment and things like that. Okay. But that was all during prep. The awesome thing about the sets in Dave made because we were shooting on a very small soundstage. Yeah. And essentially what happened was they would film in one section that was built. And when they would yell cut, all of a sudden you would hear everyone else scrambling on the other side of the soundstage trying to finish building the thing we were going to be shooting next. <laughs> <laughs> and because we didn't have enough space to like make the whole thing, so we had to build it one room at a time. So nothing in there was ever connected. There was very few continuous set rooms because there was just no space to do it. So yeah, when it came to like the actual like cardboard maze, because I had to be on set the whole time for dressing and for props. So I, I you know, the actual like cardboard maze part was being built while we were filming. <laughs> So you had to be there the whole time, just in case. Yeah, yeah. Prop masters and, well, especially on non-union, like, low-budget films, prop yeah. masters are always on set. And a set dresser has to be as well, because they dress things to camera. If whatever the angle is, has to make sure it looks good. All right. Did they, how much of it was planned? Like, were there surprises where they came to you and said, we need this now? No, you know, they had really solid storyboards, and they had a really solid, clear plan. Um, Steve Steve and Bill really, Steve was, Sears was the writer, he he and Bill like had such a clear vision for the whole thing. So there really weren't many, I think the one thing that I ended up building on the fly was uh, the stuff for the Force Perspective Room, because I didn't realize that it was going to be practical stuff. So oh. um, basically I took a, a picture of the lead actress and put it in a little cardboard frame and then just kind of put pieces of cardboard on top of it that I had cut to look like that picture to make that portrait. <laughs> And then just made a tiny chair. It's actually, the chair's still in my room. Uh, I kept it after the shoot was over. Nice. Were you, I assume they have a specific person for puppets. Um, that wasn't you, right? No, that was not me. Christine Papalexis was the lead puppeteer. And they, I can't remember if she made the puppets or if she was the one that brought in the people that made the puppets. I honestly can't remember. But no, I did not make the puppets, especially those like awesome paper bag puppets. I wish that I had, but they filmed that months after we stopped shooting. Okay. So that was on a completely different uh, soundstage and everything. And I don't know what Bill told you about what I'm doing. Basically, someone got the minute of the film that has those puppets and doesn't know what the movie is. And so they'll get segments like that, or segments with the chrysalis, and they won't know the context. <laughs> That's the the idea of someone coming in and just watching that sequence with the paper bag puppets is hilarious. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that that particular day, they brought me back in for that when we filmed that, and I was on a crew of five guys that essentially there was a track of walls 
that were made. Um, and we, one by one, we walked these walls past the puppets. And then we, when they started running, we have to like walk them faster. And so, so it looked like the puppets were, you know, walking through a space. <laughs> and uh, so it was legit just like me and like four other people back there trying to run as fast as we can and like hold these giant eight foot walls as we're like <laughs> rotating them out. <laughs> that was a ridiculous day. <laughs> And you said that was months after the rest was filmed? Yeah, I was probably, was it a year later? It was It was something wow. absurd. Like, there was constantly days where we would get called in, you know, seeing if we, if anyone was available to do pickups. So we, we shot a lot of the moments where, um, oh God, I've forgotten her name. The girl that gets decapitated, what is her name? The one that gets decapitated is... Jane. Um, so when she steps on the the pedal, um, that's actually my foot that was stepping on the pedal um, that was shot months later. And then all of the, the when you kind of float down into the floor and you see all those mechanisms yeah. moving and everything, those were also shot months later as well. So you know we would always come back in to do random. Things. It was always and with 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 Maze, we all it was always just you have no idea what you're getting called in to do. You're like, yeah, I could be there, you know, for a day. And like, what are we doing? <laughs> okay, sure, why not? Like several days in a row. Oh, that's awesome. You just kept rewatching it? Yeah. <laughs> and writing about it. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, I hope you found some awesome stuff. We had lots of fun times. Yeah. Random Easter eggs and callbacks. and Which is why I'm now doing this and bringing other people in. Yep. The movie's very simple, but it has a lot going on. Yeah. It really does. There's a lot of thought and effort into the interior apartment and elements of that apartment that get swept up into the maze. Even before the maze comes out into the apartment. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those things that they, they, they just... Bill was great. He was constantly... And, and Bill's one of these really awesome collaborators. He's a great director, but he's very collaborative. He loves to hear ideas. Hey, wouldn't it be awesome if we like pulled this one thing that was in the kitchen? And, and he was always really great about rolling with it and being like, yeah, let's try it. It could be awesome. Nice. So um, I I love working with Bill. I'm working with him on something else coming up soon. and it was just, it's, it's always a great time working. That is good to hear. The movie it almost needs to be needs to have been a fun experience. It was amazing. It's the best. I've, what it is. I've worked on a lot of films, and it's still my number one. Nice. And it was my first. That was my first job as a prop master, as a set dresser, as in Hollywood. That was it. That was my first job. What did you do before? Um, I'm a well. I started out as a model maker, making miniatures. So I worked at New Deal Studios when I first moved out here as one of their model makers. I knew I always wanted to be a prop master, but I that was my first job as that. And I can't think of a better job to start off a career with. <laughs> it certainly makes you do the work and uh -huh. figure out what you can do. I, I love being able to come up with creative solutions to things. And I like to think that the maze was the one that actually helped me become a more creative prop master. Is there one thing in particular on this movie that stands out? <sighs> the origami room was the one that stands out the most. There was so much work that went into that room, and it was such an important room for that they wanted. There was such a specific look that Jeff wanted for that room. It was way more work than any of us ever thought. <laughs> that was the hardest room, but it was, it was the best. I love that room. I'm trying to think of other rooms in the movie that are fun, like the giant eye. Oh, yeah, the, the optical, like the... 
lots of layers. Yeah, the layers of that eye, that was always a lot of fun, too. The vagina was always a uh, a hit with the crew. Because <laughs> there's like four of us back behind there, like undulating all of the layers of cardboard. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, I mean, it's, it's one of those days where you're like, what are you having me do today? Like, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> How do they describe that to you? <laughs> you know, it... <laughs> one of those jobs where you're just like okay that's what i'm doing today. great as long as you can enjoy it you know one day you're moving parts of a vagina one day you're carrying walls past puppets it's oh yeah oh yeah it was never a dull moment that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> they had i love the chrysalis room at the end and there's actually a funny tidbit i don't know if you caught it or not or if anyone's ever spoken to you about it that final sequence where he is swinging that sword across yeah. the chrysalis, we had these string lights that were the old-timey bulbs, Christmas light bulbs, that okay. were kind of strung along and all in that room. And we had done, I don't know, maybe two takes before. And that particular take, the one that actually made it into the movie, is the one where he got too close to the string lights and actually, like, burst a couple of the lights with the sword and there was glass that shattered everywhere <laughs> and we were just like hold everybody stop <laughs> you know it's like you got broken glass everywhere trying to like clean it up and sure enough that's the take that made it into the movie and you can see them on the backswing uh of these lights that just kind of explode when he hits them <laughs> I, w I wonder if the person who gets that minute will notice i don't know i noticed because i was curious about which take they they took yeah because you know that the third one is when they broke yeah because i, I know what to look for <laughs> but that that was such it was such a long day and the chrysalis wasn't like opening the way they wanted it to it was there was that was a long day and then when that basically it was like and we're that's a wrap we're going <laughs> <home>. <laughs> like the glass broke and we're like we're done that's it Good night. I know one of the people that's doing the project uh, asked, and you might know, about moisture on the set because of all the cardboard. Well, it wasn't really a problem. But it's a, it's a studio, right? So yeah, you can control yeah. it. Yeah, I, mean, like, it, it, I mean, we were also shooting the valley, so there's very little moisture anywhere in the valley. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, that was never a problem. Oh, that's not true. We didn't. We shoot. We shot elements in the valley. We actually shot most of that in Glendale. But yeah, wouldn't a problem. Well, you've kind of already answered this. Like, what was the best part about working on this? Honestly, the collaboration, being able to throw out ideas, ridiculous ideas, ideas that you'd never get to be like, hey, I got this really awesome idea for this moment, and being able to work with a creative team that if I couldn't do it, I knew there was like two other guys there that could. You know, as far as building something on the fly really quickly and making it look amazing. And Mike Murnane, again, he's a genius when it comes to cardboard. And everything that he made was like gold. That minotaur head was a work of art. So yeah, I, I was just lucky to be involved in the project at all, being able to work with such amazing, talented people. And I learned a lot about you know the filmmaking process as well. Anything else that could be put in somewhere or great story from the set? Oh, Adam Bush. He was the um, best friend. Yeah, Gordon. That man. So we had catering um, for lunch. And for some reason, they would always give us an excess of rolls. And we, we just had an excess of bread on this set for some reason. And there was only like 20 of us on the crew and the cast combined. And yet we would get like 50 rolls with, with lunch. And it got so ridiculous 
that Adam started putting rolls all over the set and in prop bags and in, I mean, like, it didn't matter where we were in a set. If I wasn't looking close enough at camera before they started rolling, I would find a bread roll somewhere. And I guarantee you there's a bread roll in this set somewhere on camera because the man was insane. He he was constantly putting these rolls all over the set. I would open up the backpacks that, you know, uh, they would carry throughout the scenes and there would be like 20 bread rolls in there. I'm like, come on, Adam. (laughs) Like, Like, old, hard bread rolls. I'm like, this is just getting ridiculous. (laughs) So, yeah, like, he was kind of a a roll prankster when we were... By, like, day four, he had started doing that. And by the end of the thing, it was, like, on a daily basis, finding rolls. Now I want to look for him in the movie. Uh, You know, I guarantee you there's at least one. I have yet to see one, but he was also really good at hiding them. (laughs) So... Like, you would find out, especially um, in the, the rooms where they first enter the maze and you've got like all these awesome pipes and um, yes. vents and things like that. I would find him stuck in the vents that would be <laughs> up in like pipes where I'm trying to like get fog to come through. I can't figure out why the fog's not coming through. It's because he stuck like four bread rolls in there. I'm like, come on. Yeah, that became a thing. And then by the end, we had wanted to prank him back and we had discussed like filling his car with bread rolls. <laughs> it never happened, but we really wanted to <laughs> Just dump a bunch of bread in his car and walk away. You could still do it in the future. Oh, we could. You know, I, I, I see him <laughs> occasionally uh, doing things and I'm just like, I remember you. All right. I'll get you back one day. And then I could probably disarm all the traps and then we can. We can finish this maze! Who is with me? That was me and Lauren Shell talking Dave made a maze. I will be here for intros and outros, but I won't be covering a minute in detail again until minute nine. Next time, on Dave Made a Minute, we've got Alan Sanders and Walt Murray of The Wilder Ride taking on minute four. Thank you for listening to Dave Made a Minute. Intro dialogue snippets were taken from Dave Made a Maze, directed by Bill Watterson, written by Bill Watterson and Steve Sears, and produced by John Charles Meyer. Intro music is Diversion by The Equals, featured in the film Dave Made a Maze, and Life Cycle of a Match by Parvis Decree. Outro music is Leaving This Godforsaken Place and Her Presence is Strong Here by Parvis Decree. Dave Made a Minute is a production of Lemming Drop Studio and all other featured podcast producers. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Dave Made a Minute. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice, and check out all of the participants' other shows to spread the love around. Again, thank you for listening. As long as we're all working together, it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. I need you to notify the families of everyone who died here today. Totally. Wait, what?